Hello and welcome to the latest fixed interest podcast from Fitch. My name is Richard Hunter, Chief Credit Officer at Fitch Ratings, and today I'm joined by Justin Patry, head of our Fitch Wire team. On this episode, we're going to be discussing Fitch's global outlook for 2024. To get straight into it, Justin, what are the key themes driving Fitch's macro credit views for 2024? Well, thank you very much, Richard. It's uh, it's great to be here. So from a global perspective, we're really focused on four key themes. Uh, the first is sustained higher interest rates. Now, we do expect rates to be cut in both the US and Eurozone. Um, and actually, we expect uh, most developed economies to see interest rate cuts uh, this year. Um, but at least for the US and Eurozone, we're not really going to expect this to happen in the first quarter. And any reduction is going to be fairly limited. So widespread but not sharp is our core view for global policy rates. Mm -hmm. The second is asset quality deterioration. Um, so the tightening funding conditions that we all saw in 2023, um, this is going to mean that, this, that the asset quality deterioration is going to continue to be a broad theme in, in many regions of the world. We expect higher default rates and high yield and leveraged loans, continued weakness in key asset classes such as commercial real estate and Chinese property, uh, and increased non-performing loan rates in, in major banking systems. We also have deteriorating asset performance outlooks for most structured finance sectors. The third theme is a U.S. growth slowdown. So we're still seeing signs of a, a loosening labor market and credit investment weakness as real rates rise. So, or real rates have risen, I should say. So while our base case is that the U.S. is going to avoid recession, um, we still forecast a material slowdown in U.S. growth. And that's quite a significant variable for a lot of sectors. And finally, financial market and cross-asset tail risks. So given our view that rates are going to remain elevated relative to recent history and our view that we expect a material U.S. slowdown, the potential is going to remain elevated for some sort of fullback in, in market liquidity, be it driven by some sort of catalyst like geopolitics um, or a sudden shift in market rate expectations or some other kind of unexpected event as we saw in March last year in U.S. banking. Yeah, so we'll get back to geopolitics in a minute, but you, you did mention there that U.S. growth is a, is a big factor. How does the latest U.S. GDP print feed into our views on that? Yeah, well, it's it's certainly understandable why the latest U.S. data has gotten the market talking about a, a no-landing scenario. Stronger underlying demand and labor market conditions need to be balanced against the implication for inflation and rates. So getting that soft landing right, combining disinflation without a slowdown in growth, is still going to be difficult and is still not our base case. Um, I will say there certainly are potential positive risks to our global outlook, and an upside surprise in the U.S. would be one of them. Uh, and the latest data print does increase the potential for such a, a scenario, but our base case for the time being remains unchanged. A more rapid reduction in U.S. core inflation combined with consumer resilience, that's going to lead to higher growth, or not lead to higher growth, but, um, but uh, be within a, a decent growth and environment, um, that certainly is going to be one of the things that could positively change our global outlook. Okay, so that's a potential upside risk. Uh, I guess a lot of people listening will be asking, what are the key downside risks? Yeah, so as, as mentioned before, the kind of elevated rate and, and, and persistent tight financing conditions um, means that the risk of some sort of liquidity market event remains, remains elevated and, and remains elevated relative to other parts of a credit cycle. So this is especially the case of central bank surprise with a more hawkish stance than expected. And, and one could argue that markets have gotten ahead of themselves, perhaps positioning for a, a soft landing. So market conditions and sentiment are, are going to be very, very key. Um, if for whatever reason we do end up seeing higher real bond yields than the market expects, 
Um, this is obviously going to elevate risk for everything from fiscal sustainability to default rates. So we're still in an environment of elevated leverage globally that uh, mostly was taken on during a, a, a period of exceptionally low rates. So there certainly are going to continue to be sensitivities there. And this is a year where there are no shortages of, of potential kind of investor aversion catalysts. Uh, geopolitics, as, as we're going to talk about, uh, structural pressures in China, uh, U.S. commercial real estate. Um, these are these are just sort of a, a few examples of, of downside um, risk catalysts. You know, one other thing I'd mention is, is just asset quality pressures. Um, so that is one of our kind of key themes. Now, we expect these to, to remain below pre, uh, previous recessionary levels, relatively contained. But, you know, these are things that, that you should absolutely be watching. Okay. So that, that's a, a really good top line summary. If we step down from that, what sort of trends uh, and differentiation are we seeing maybe between regions and sectors? Are there, are there sectors facing bigger challenges? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll take this opportunity maybe just to talk about our outlook process at, at Fitch. So we do an annual end-year and a mid-year outlook review during which we update separate outlooks for over 350 sectors, including asset performance outlooks uh, for structured finance. So these outlooks are signals of where we expect underlying operating and financial conditions to go in the upcoming year for a given sector. So the majority of our 2024 outlooks are neutral, uh, but just over a third are what we describe as deteriorating. Now, a deteriorating outlook means that we expect those underlying operating and financing conditions for a sector to worsen this year relative to last year, whereas a neutral outlook means we, we kind of expect things to remain unchanged. So with that out of the way, you know, where we see the deteriorating sector outlooks show up are mostly in North America, um, in structured finance asset performance, and in financial institutions. Um, by contrast, as, uh, groups and sectors like infrastructure, public finance, and regions outside North America are mostly neutral. And this is pretty clearly a reflection of, of two factors. First is that base case forecast for U.S. slowdown. So that filters through to a lot of our underlying sector um, uh, forecasts there. And the second one is, is, is obviously our expectation for only limited rate cuts and a, and a persistent, relatively tight financing environment. So that's going to disproportionately feed through to structured finance asset performance and the financial institutions. Um, one thing I will also highlight is that our, our North American sovereign regional outlook is on deteriorating. Um, and that reflects our, our continued expectations for fiscal deterioration and political volatility, though I would highlight that the U.S. and Canadian sovereign ratings are, are both stable. It's also one thing I would also note is that a lot of the neutral outlooks are for sectors and regions which had particularly challenging environments in 2023, especially in Europe and China. So neutral doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a, a particularly good year in 2024. So these are these are regions and sectors where, you know, they, they in the case of Germany, there was a mild recession uh, in the case of China. Um, uh, there was there was persistent challenges in certain sectors there, um, where we we kind of just expect things to, to to remain the same from from what was not a great year in 2023. Um, one final thing I I, I want to highlight is is the differentiation between our sector outlooks and our ratings outlooks. So, just because a sector outlook is deteriorating does not mean that the preponderance of ratings outlooks in that sector are negative. So, structured finance is a good example where our expectation for Asset quality deterioration does not mean that we expect large-scale negative uh, rating migration. That's a, that's a very good distinction to make. We did promise we're going to talk a little bit about political risk and geopolitical risk. So how does that play into the outlooks you've been talking about? 
Yeah, so a good place to go for a review of our, our political risk views is our Global Sovereigns Outlook. Um, and there we've highlighted that this is a, a heavy election year in, in a lot of parts of the world. And in, in certain cases, polarization and fractious politics is, is going to slow reform, policymaking and fiscal consolidation. So the U.S. is, is a good case in point where um, we've recently in a, in a Fitchwire published flagged that the 2023 general government deficit may have exceeded 9% of GDP. And that's really where stopgap policymaking and political risk has been unable to address the continued fiscal deterioration. So another key political risk theme that does play into some outlooks is this idea of a geostrategic fault line, primarily between the U.S. and China. Mm -hmm. um, this is a long-term structural trend. Um, it will benefit certain countries from nearshoring, but ultimately it's going to shave down global growth. And, and act as a challenge to, to trade and capital. So we don't expect this fault line to deteriorate materially in 2024. We do expect more of a status quo, but this is something that, that is a factor in, in some of our outlooks. Um, and of course, we can't talk about politics and, and geopolitics without you know, uh, talking about the, the conflicts in Ukraine, the Middle East, and, and tensions across the Taiwan Strait. Um, any material, this is more of a, a risk scenario relative to our base case, though, any material expansions in the, the Ukraine or uh, Middle East conflicts are, are likely to trigger an increase in oil prices with resulting credit implications, both positive and negative for oil importers and exporters. Uh, the Taiwan Strait area is more of a tail risk event, but of course, this is a, a tail risk where, uh, depending on the scale of any such uh, event, could have uh, significant global effects. So... That's a, a nice tour of all the geopolitical risks. We did touch there a couple of times on China. Really, the, the big question we are most frequently asked about China is around the property sector, which has faced serious challenges for, for well over a year now. Um, how do we view the macro credit outlook in China and the impact uh, of that for everyone else? Yeah, China is going to continue to be a fairly big question mark in, in 2024. It was arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest question in 2023, and, and will continue to do so this year. So our 2024 China views are, are underpinned by a few key uh, expectations. So first, we do forecast economic growth to slow, not significantly, but back below 5%. Second, uh, the policy support to the economy, which uh, we started to see you know, ramp up a little bit in summer of 2023, that's going to continue, that's going to accelerate. Now, that, China, that policy support is, is going to provide a floor on growth, uh, and it's going to be uh, supportive for particular sectors. But at the same time, policy is a key uncertainty, and we've actually flagged it as a, as a top risk for local government financing vehicles, because that policy could mean additional controls on new debt with limited flexibility that could result in liquidity stress. And the third factor, you mentioned property. So property is still going to remain deeply challenged, according to our base case views. Uh, it's it's going to continue to be a tough operating environment. We forecast contracted home sales to continue to decline, albeit at a much slower pace. And we actually maintain for the second straight year a deteriorating sector outlook uh, for Chinese property developers. Mm. Other key themes that we're on the lookout for is continued polarization in certain sectors between state-owned and private enterprises, especially in sectors mm. like engineering construction, property developers, steel and cement. We maintain deteriorating outlooks uh, for banks and leasing companies where we expect the, the continued weakness in the property sector to uh, contribute to diminished growth and, and profitability. So overall, we expect a, a continued kind of tough outlook for China. As I mentioned, most of our sector outlooks are neutral, but that's from a tough year in 2023. So that essentially means that we expect conditions to not you know, materially improve relative to 2023. So what could change our views on China? Um, 
there's a few things we're looking at. Policy support is one. The scale, composition, the effectiveness of it, um, that's certainly something that's a, a big watch point. Um, second is, is uh, economic growth, but particularly how successful China is in transitioning towards different growth drivers this year. And third is, you know, the financial sector, uh, the impact of non-performing loan recognition at banks, the potential contagion from risk resolutions at high-risk financial institutions to the wider market. That's kind of uh, something that we're, we're on the watch for as well that could potentially change our views. That is a lot for people to be looking at, a lot for us to be looking at. Thanks very much, Justin, for your thoughts on 2024. If you'd like to drill down into more of this and see all of our sector outlooks, you can go to our website and access the Outlook reports at fitchratings.com slash topics slash outlooks.